Hello, and welcome to the Geeky Brewery Podcast. Joining me, Mr. Vidavillas. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. It's been a while. Thank you. I've missed you. We've missed you too. Keith Bloomfield is on a bus somewhere as we speak, as always. But, ugh. Man in the desk, Mr. Guy Halford. Welcome. When can I stop doing this? When's that little wooden boy back? When can I, like, go back to just come to be here? We have to get the magic beans from Jack to reactivate him. <laughs> like, like, like Geppetto's like doing some work on him over the summer, <laughs> giving him some enhancements, just him in the back of the cupboard, some augmentation, giving him a varnish. What goosebumps book was it with the creepy bucket? Oh, was it... see now I'm just thinking of that Buffy episode that had a dummy. Yeah, was it called the Puppet Show? That was not the Living Dummy. That was yes, yes. that was it. Yeah. Well, that's pretty accurate for Callum, isn't it? Really? There is a Batman villain as well who's a dummy. Of course there is, because... It's from Batman, the animated series. Going back. Anyway, nerdy stuff over. That, that <laughs> reference is lost on everybody in the room. Where's Keith when you need him? That could have been golden, but wrong crowd, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yes, I, I'll get that reference right. <laughs> <laughs> is that your Keith impression? That was terrible. Because <laughs> like, Keith goes... Rrr, rrr, rrr. Keith is just like the Steve Rogers... <laughs> Gift image of I understood that reference. Yes! <laughs> oh, yeah, that's adorable. We've just put Keith's head on it, that we <laughs> Anyway, Phil, what have you been up to since we last saw you? Um, I have been uh, booked and busy, just very busy with work, and also it was uh, my mum's second 60th birthday at the weekend. Well, it's a, it is a momentous occasion. Yeah, so she's had two birthdays this year. She turned 60 in March, and then um, over the weekend she had a big garden party. Um, so I was. Bartend on hand to bartend, I, I, I baked, I, I was mixing cocktails and just basically but doing all the things that even on 30 I'm still like, I have to be the best son, I have to be the favourite, I have to, everyone has to praise me. Were you like Beverly in um, the Goldbergs? A little bit, a little bit, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I well, when you put that wig it, on, it was like that moment of friends, like, I'm always the hostess, <laughs> I'm always the hostess. I understand that reference. <laughs> <laughs> Something topical and on trend. So yeah, we yeah, we got very very drunk, and then I um, I nicked one of my mum's wigs. So there's a, it, there was like a thread on Twitter where it was a photo of me and my mum, and the next photo was me with the same hair that my mum had on the same like the photo previous. And I was like, oh my god, it's like looking into the future. So what was your cocktail of choice that you were making? Uh, I made four, obviously. <laughs> so I did um, aperol spritz. That's not a cocktail. It's a it's an aperitif. It's aperol and water with prosecco and and soda. It's an it's an aperitif. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I made sangria. Um, I made big jugs of pims, and then I did a gin Collins in a gigantic container with a tap. I'll give you three out of four for those. Yeah, Paul Spitz is I'm a famous food blogger. <laughs> <laughs> did you enjoy the food I just lovingly made for you? Well, let's talk to let's let's go back to the the the, the core of the story involving the food, Ryan. <sighs> So Ryan sent me a message on the way here, and he was like, can you get an onion? I, I bought everything else, and I thought there was an onion in the fridge, and there wasn't an onion in the fridge. Now, onion is quite critical for a spaghetti bolognese. It is one of those things, but it's, it's like 90% of cooking starts with chopping onions. It's yeah. just a fact of life. Well, I didn't, I didn't see the message, nor did I have any change on me to buy the onion. So between two grown men, we managed to just about muster enough change to buy an onion. Well, no, I had to use my very nice 50p, which might be worth even more money than 50p. Yeah, so Ryan hands his 50p over to the guy in the shop, and the guy's like, oh, 
this, this looks like really unique and stuff like that. Ryan walks out of the shop, disgruntled. Like, well, it was probably worth the tenner. Oh, the guy's eBaying it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a very nice spaghetti bolognese, yeah. so it was it was worth it. Thank you. Then what happened, Ryan? Then I picked up the wrong key, so I picked up the car keys and set up my flat keys and locked myself out of the oh, flat. So we could get into the garage, but we couldn't actually get any further than the garage. So basically... Two two large gentlemen were lingering outside the building, holding an onion, trying to get in. <laughs> that is unsettling, I imagine, to oh, anyone who was that. I was an that. angry man with an onion. <laughs> were you just like waving it around in the air, like curse you? He was very annoyed. Yes. I needed the toilet, as expected. Of course, you did. Like, because you're you, going anywhere with you is like going somewhere with a three year old. So um, yeah. yeah, but then a very kind lady lives. Oh, she wasn't very kind. She was just going home and just letting it. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it was an act of kindness. Or was it, it, was an, it was an act of tailgating. That's what it was. She didn't slam the door in our face. That's one thing. Well, obviously, because... Mainly because I was brandishing an onion. <laughs> yeah. See, when, whenever I enter my, my um, apartment building, I always shut the door behind me. So if you're trying to get in, sorry. Well, yeah. even if someone's literally walking right behind you. I walk very quickly, but it's like, you know what? No, I, I, you don't know who could be sneaking in behind you. Well, I had a weird incident at work today. So, like, you know, you hold a door open for someone at work, but there's like a certain... I, 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 don't, I, I, I wouldn't have imagined that you did that. Well, okay, there's a certain amount of like space that you can give to hold a door open for someone at work. So, like, if they're very close to the door, they're coming, through, coming behind you... I'd say five. Then you can hold the door. But if they're halfway down the corridor... No, that's not acceptable. Oh, so, then point? everybody always does that stupid little half run, half shuffle. Right. So this yeah. Is, oh, actually faster than walking. As so it would what be I walking. tend to do is just sort of um, thrust the door open behind me as I carry on walking. So it's sort thrust of so door. just sort of I hold the door open for myself, and then I'll give it like give the door an extra little push as I as I dismount, if you will, just so that it sort of pushes it open and, it's, and then it'll close a little bit more slowly so people can come and, and they can grab it themselves. You know what? I'm not your mother. Yeah. Maybe maybe you learned how to open doors yourself. Well, this woman did it to me today. She was she saw me coming through the door so she did that little half run but she put a really weird facial expression as she did it so she was kind of like <laughs> like that panicking to get to it. It's kind of like it's okay. It's not an electric door. It's just a push door. So if you don't make it through when I come through you're going to get through anyway. There's not, you're not going to get trapped in this part of the building. Just because I was coming through the door at that time. Uh, I just don't get it. It is super annoying when people don't hold the door for you when you're not that far away. Oh, yeah, they're the worst, yeah. I mean, like, I get annoyed by it, but I'll actually have all our doors in in our office because the nature of my job is they're all pretty much electronic, so you need your pass to swipe in. What about, what about when, like, you have to, you go, like, you're walking down a long corridor and there's multiple doors. Yeah. So then, like, you have to hold the door open and then continuously hold the door open for people as you keep going through. And then, like, the thank yous are in dry, so thanks, cheers. Yeah, thanks. You're right. Yeah, like you get to about door five, and you're like, no, I've got nothing left now. It's like I could just be a famous to school you. boyfriend. You've been through school with Spanish. Gracias. And you've got to make it into a joke. By the time you reach, you're just like, oh, oh, oh seeing you here. Yeah, oh, we've got, we've, like, got, we've got to stop meeting like this. God, small talk is the worst. Oh, the one that gets me is lifted. I, I'm getting sick of this. Yeah. Like people, you go in, people are like fourth floor. It's kind of like. Yeah, push it yourself. This isn't the 20s. We don't have a racial minority in the in the lift as an attendant. You can push that button yourself. Right, I, I'm tempted to chop people's feet off who press the first floor when they go up a floor. It's like, why, why are you in the lift? It would have actually been quicker for you to go up the staircase than it would be to delay everybody else in the lift. 
for you to this, go one fall. This is true. Unless you're lugging a piece of furniture or have an actual need, take the stairs. Person who's uh, waiting for the lift this morning when I got to work, he was uh, he stood there waiting for it to come down. Hadn't pressed the button, had he? So he was just stood in a queue waiting. So he was just stood like wait, waiting oh, for nothing. That is your responsibility. If you're the first person on the lift, you press the button. So I have a friend who calls the lift. Let's say, for instance, you are on the ground floor. Yeah. You would press the button that says up because you want to go up. Yeah. Right. My friend presses the down button. As if that would go to, you know, like the car park in the basement or something. Yeah. He's yeah. like, yeah, his, his rationale is, he says, well, I'm calling the lift down, so I want it to come down, so I'm pressing the down button. Yeah. And it's like, that, no, no. That's not, not how it works. That's not how lift what lifts work. And I was like, who taught you about lifts? <laughs> who who raised you so that this is how you think it works? All right, we have new weird lifts that work now. They have no buttons inside. What? really weird. So you choose your floor outside on this panel. Oh. And it tells you which lift to go to. I, that is always so confusing. Which I is, hate them. I hate you're them. You're stumped if you press the wrong button. <laughs> Pretty much. Or if you get in the wrong lift and you get out, you're like, oh, oh. I had the experience this morning. I was the first person through the door for about three minutes. The lift, the doors were just about to close. And then somebody pressed the button outside and the doors open again. So then you're waiting for three other people to get into the lift. And I'm fourth floor is where I work. First, second and third. Got into the lift. Oh, so right. I'm just like steaming with rage by the time I get to my floor. I still, I still play that game occasionally. Um, when like you know someone's got on the lift and then you race down the stairs and hit all the buttons to, to so they could stop on everything. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did it once when I was in there. You first give me the absolute look of disgust. <laughs> I've done worse than that. <laughs> As I was getting out of the lift, I pressed all the buttons in the lift. <laughs> This is when I used to work on the ninth floor, and somebody got in the lift, and as the doors closed, oh. all you heard was, bleep and ready. <laughs> it's when you're in a lift, with, and then it's someone with, who has a child with them, and the child just starts pressing all the buttons, and it's like, I would cut off your hand if you did that, to, if you were my child, and you did that. I mean, are you meant to talk to people in the lift as well? Because you go in on it, and people are just sort of glancing around, like, who's going to kick off the conversation then? It's like... No one. But then it's worse because you find two people who know each other that'll have a conversation through you. Oh my god, god yes. Yes. And and all, I don't is. care about your child. All I don't you, care about what you've got. And all you can do is just stare rigidly ahead. And the thing is, like, no lift journey lasts more than, like, two minutes. Mm. Just stand in silence. Enjoy that quiet respite from your day. Yeah. All, you, all you hear is, hello, darkness, my old friend. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the only time it's acceptable to talk in a lift is when uh, somebody turns up late. Hi, Keith. Yeah, look what the ah. cat dragged in. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good job you're looking good today, otherwise you wouldn't be on this show. We have a seat for you. Um, hey. Yeah, the only time it's acceptable to talk in a lift is when uh, it breaks down. Well, yeah, because then you have to call well, help. That's when you marshal the resources you have in your collective bag and see what food supplies <laughs> you have. Who's the fattest who are eating first? <laughs> yes. like, you look for your bag and say, I've got crisps, I've got fruit, I'm alright, I'm fine, I can live with this. I'd be, I'd be screwed. I look at my bag. I've had a bottle of wine in there. All time. <laughs> <laughs> don't carry food around. It's like, why am I some kind of you know weird ho- food hoarder? No, <laughs> maybe like a squirrel. To, maybe you need to in preparation for some pack of breakfast. See, when, when you're working in an office like we do, you carry like a banana and sandwiches for you for your lunch. Oh no, I learned my lesson at school, and I would I would always have a banana in my bag, and then I'd take it <laughs> until like you know maybe a month later, and then I'd be like, why are there flies in my room all the time? <laughs> oh. <laughs> You find a fossilised banana. Keith, would you like some bolognese that are lovingly crafted with my hands? 
I'm all right, Kate, just at the moment. I just need a refreshing bit drink of water. Go on, why, nice. why are you so late? Yeah, the, let's hear the excuses. Come I've, on, I've been, help with it. I've been mentoring. So, the stuff that I was working on... I mean, looking for them, I mean, you as a mentor, but, like, yeah. what, that's not good enough excuse. I mean, there's a, there's a, a festival on um, Saturday. Uh, so, we're making some uh, kind of uh, activism-type um, campaigns for it. So, um, I was working with my mentee, and it just took a bit longer than we expected. So, But it needed to be done, because we're on a very tight deadline. Fun story. I'm a mentor now. Oh, God. I know, right? Isn't that the most terrifying thing you've ever heard? Someone looked at me and thought, that's a grown-up that I can learn from. It's <laughs> because it's hit 30 now. <laughs> but you're an old man now, Phil. Who are you mentoring? So, um, about a year ago, I uh, went to the opening of the Canal House in Birmingham, mm-hmm. and there was a, like, a lovely, my servant of the evening was this lovely young man called Jay, and he found me on Twitter um, about a week ago, um, and he's just graduated. He loved, he loved that, didn't he? <laughs> he's just, gra- he he's just graduated um, do it from doing journalism, and he was saying, oh, you probably don't remember me, but... And I was like, oh, no, I actually, I do, because, you know, he's a cute little yeah, baby. With the blue cute little baby. <laughs> and, um, and he was just saying, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm, I'm trying to start out in journalism, and, you know, a lot of people say that it's really worth having a mentor, and I was just wondering if we could maybe meet up and I could ask you some questions, and I was like... I mean, I can meet you, but I, mean, I, I, have, I guarantee nothing in terms of advice. You sure he wasn't trying to get topic. you on a date? I mean, no, no, he has a boyfriend. No. <laughs> Come with a pe- pad of paper, so what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have um, gone into something thinking it was like just a meeting and then realised like, oh, I think they think this is a date. Oh, okay, expand on this. Somebody, I mean, to be fair... I should have known because um, we arranged the meeting on Grinder. Um, <laughs> 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 Tell it, but it was it was during a conference, and I was like, "Oh, um, it, it was." Well, I'm not going to say his name, but I was like, "Oh, I, I recognise you. You've done really interesting work in transhumanism. I'd love to meet up for a coffee and, and have a chat." Meaning, like, I'd love to. So I got to the, the, this lovely little cafe on the on the on the beach. And, uh, and he was like, oh, would you like to so a so And I was like, oh, I, I just have a glass of water, please. And then I um, whipped out my dictaphone. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I I could just see his expression change. And he went, oh. And I was like, oh. And then it was really awkward. And then he, like, unfollowed me on Twitter. <laughs> wow, I bet that hurt you. I like how you took your own headphones off, though, because you were laughing that loud, you'd have hurt your own ears. <laughs> um, but to go, to go back to the original point, um, yes, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mentor now, because I'm, I'm, I'm wise. <laughs> like an owl. <laughs> like a very drunk owl. I, I, he still hasn't justified the lightness, to be honest with you. Oh, I was helping somebody. Nah. Time is time. Just get here for it. Just because you can't understand the concept of helping someone, guys. <laughs> there isn't a buzzer that goes off in my life that says, now you, you can leave your workplace. Google Maps does do that for you. If you have to set a destination that you need to be at time, it'll tell you when to leave. Yeah, but that doesn't work if you're kind of doing other stuff. Then I have to get to work. Then I have to work. Really. Then I have to walk. I don't drive. You know. We need to get some roller skates. Oh, my God. Well, I'm not Olivia Newton-John. No. No, a scooter. No, Keith on a scooter. There, there is business people who use scooters down Birmingham. Yeah, I've been thinking about getting I want to see Keith on a skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> Only if he says don't have a cow, man. I'm, I'm currently 
d- ditching a couple of skateboards. There are a couple in the back garden that I'm getting, getting rid of. Why are you skateboards in the back garden? Because they wouldn't fit in the bin. Uh, <laughs> they were in the shed, and now they're in the back garden. They're just there. So they're a bit of a hazard if you go out at night watching meteors. So you just end up skidding halfway down the road. I, I related to nothing in that sentence just now. So if um, if you want some skateboards, contact Hard Look at Hard Look Hotel. Hard Look underscore hotel. Underscore hotel. hotel. Yeah, they're they're a bit past their sell by date. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't recommend the track the tr- trucks on them are knackered. I mean, so. you're not really selling this, you know. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think he's trying to sell. They're, they're like about 15, they're probably 15, 20 years old. So if we go say 15, 20 quid each, then <laughs> sell a lamp and No. This is not geeky from eBay. Well, anyway, go. What have you been up to? Um, I've proven to be a bit of a liability once again out in public. Um, you know how you like? I was like desperate for you to invite me to posh events, and then we went to Harvey Nicks. Right, just open those crisps. Just open the crisps. Um, so you know, we went to Harvey Nicks, and I was like, oh yeah, no, I can, um, I can. Prove myself to be a good behaved child in public. And you didn't behave yourself, did you? You laughed at a shirt. Well, yeah, it's pretentious. Why were you there? To try and prove a point. Guy, which you failed to prove. Yeah. Guy was getting upset because George used to be on the show, got invites to stuff. You'd get invites to stuff with me as plus one or yeah. to represent me as Rum Bum on the and Guy was getting a bit uppity there. Yeah. He never got an invite. I thought you were just discriminating against me because I lived in Redditch. No, I was discriminating against you because you're you. So yeah, so I did prove myself to be a bit of a, a liability. We went to Warwick Castle. Um, um, for non-regular listeners, Guy's already been shouted at at least once this month at, <laughs> <laughs> at a water park <laughs> for using the wrong ring and trespassing can't take him anywhere. So, um, yeah, I went with my friend Sam, um, David Retro, who's the podcast. And um, one of the things I did was Sam was light, like some people in this room. There was like about 250 odd people milling around like the entrance area. And like Sam was like blithering around, not able to see us. Despite the fact like me and Dave have long hair, quite obvious to be seen. Like Dave looks like he should be a status quo. He's going to kill me after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, Give him a little it, bit of respect. He looks more like Dave Lee Roth. <laughs> um, we, so we were, we, were, um, we were waiting for him. And I was just like, I can't, I can't be dealing with this. He's not going to find it. So like, at the top of my voice, I called his name. <laughs> Everybody just fell silent. People are just staring at us like, what the hell? And Sam just comes trundling through the crowd like, yeah, yeah, I knew it was you. Oh, my God. Um, like that scene in Alan Parks where he keeps showing Dan in the car. <laughs> well, no, because only needed to do it once to get my point across. I found him. He came on instruction. I managed to clear a room of observers because we thought it was funny to look at statues and put Facebook filters on them. So obviously you put like the bear ears on a statue that's kicking around at Warwick Castle. I think we've all done that like in museums. Well, I mean, I, I, that particular moment, I was very amused by it. I laughed out loud. People gave me a dirty look and left the room. Like I ruined history for them by laughing like an idiot. It's like, no, it's, it's fine. Queen Victoria, Queen Victoria didn't really have dog ears. <laughs> <laughs> Just a big tongue sticking out. The, the funniest one was, um, he took a, bit, it was a, t- it's a picture of the uh, statue and it was like with the early man face, you know, that Hardeman thing that's just come out. So it like, made it look like that character from Hardeman animation. Oh, yeah. So that was, uh, that was particularly amusing. But the, the tragic point in the day, the thing that hurt me the most, was I, um, I bought a Magnum. It cost £2.50. That's a rip-off. 
I took two bites out of the mangum and then dropped it on the floor. I don't know how. I don't know why. Oh, I was just waving my hands around in excitement. I dropped the mangum on the floor. Looked, stared at it for a minute. I was ready to turn around. But you can still eat it. And oh. If you just peel off the chocolate, that defeats the object of a magnum. So I got angry. I picked it up and chucked it at a display. And <laughs> oh my god! And uh, then when one of the cleaners at Warwick Castle, the fine guy at Garden Square Halford, what your abuse there? It melted as well. By the time we come back from that bit, so um, he's building a queue of people that he's like. If and when he's murdered, we are never going to know who did it. <laughs> the list will be too long. Um, I, g- I gave up during, halfway during a maze and then just decided to start walking through the bushes to get out of there because I just couldn't be bothered to go the way back around. There's one easy way to always win a maze. What's that? Just keep to the left. No, You'll well, always, always keep out. to the right. Well, it's the same principle. Why would you? Oh, just out of principle, you shouldn't keep to the right at any point in your life. Yes. Always <laughs> keep to the left. So uh, once again, I proved that you, you can't really take me anywhere. I just decided to start rolling around the grass to get up for no apparent reason. I, I just I, like when I go to somewhere historical, I don't I get bored easily, so I just start acting up. Did you watch an episode of The Inbetweeners and think it was an instructional video <laughs> on how to behave? Maybe, yeah. I just um, I just can't behave uh, in a historical place. I just or Harvey Nicks, <laughs> just anywhere, or anywhere, <laughs> anywhere, a park, anywhere or a and you wonder why we haven't like taken you out? Well, I I feel like I would be a responsible adult, um, you know. And then, why? And then if I drop my ice cream, I'd like chuck it across the restaurant. I, do I remember a trip to Southampton where somebody was waving a phallus out of the window? Oh I'm yeah, still so gutted I missed that. Oh yeah, I made a made, made a winnie. And then didn't you get sort of um, walkie-talkie from the other car saying there are children on this road? <laughs> yes. I mean, like, they got to learn from somewhere, so, like, when I... Learn what? The, 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 <laughs> what exactly are you trying to teach the don't, children? Don't, don't be dangling your bits out of the window. Ryan, what have you been up to this week? <laughs> let's, just, let's just keep this moving. I went to a place that's described itself as Birmingham's best-kept secret. Primark? Nope. An Harvey open Nicks. street? A street that's not got anything being dug up in it? No. Uh, oh. Morrison's? I don't nope. know. I, 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 I mean, we, we could be going on for a while here, just tell us. It is a garden centre near Whitbox End, but it's an African-themed garden centre. Why does that exist? Sounds orientalist AF, go on. It's called Akamba, <laughs> and it has lots of African sculptures and tropical plants. Oh. And it has a giant shed in it where there's a bar and a cafe. Why did you go yeah. to this place? Because I was seeing one of my friends and it was pouring down with rain, and it was supposed to have a picnic. We need somewhere for a small child to run around. So we took him to a garden centre. It's not like I got dragged around so many garden centres when I was a kid. It's just what grown ups do. They take their kids to garden centres. No one enjoys it, but that's just what you do. But it's a very interesting experience. It's called a camber. Why don't you just go to Knotcuts? Because Knotcuts is dull. Or Webs. Dull. Nah, Webs is alright. I've never heard of Knotcuts. I I think Knotcuts. It's it's not garden centre. The only one I've heard of is Dobby's. (laughs) <laughs> Do you get a sock on the way in? Ron, I love the fact you were showing Phil, Phil a picture of that and then it just this plugin is not supported. <laughs> They're still using Flash on their website. I apologise. Figures. But they have a Sunday Caribbean buffet. Oh, okay. They have okay. live music on I'm, quite often. I'm in now. There's an African bird walk. There is a is that, where, is that where you get to like you get to walk the birds like on leads? <laughs> <laughs> they have music festivals. 
it's, it's quite interesting. It's good fun. It's 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 an interesting place to go. How much have they asked you? How much have they paid you, or what have they zero offered you to promote and this? Zero pence. It's just so it's quite an interesting place. It's right next to Whitlock's End train station. I don't know where these places are. I think name one. I've heard of it. But name one. Whitlock's End, but I've never been there. Isn't Whitlock like that seaside town in the north? They have they have a tropical house in the navy room, which no. is a separate entry fee, but you can go and like handle. No, yeah, so you have stuff. to like. Pay extra to see the birds. Well, it's not like that at work. How so you can pay extra to go to the dungeon and then mugging you off? Did you put inappropriate no, never paid the filters in my life. over Surprise. any of the exhibits or throw ice creams at displays? Surprisingly not, but there was an, 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 anatomically, not. anatomically correct metal ball statues, which was quite surprising. Okay. Um, uh, it was quite... Every turn the corner and... This sounds like the kind of place that um, our dear friend Nate Crowley should visit. Yes, it's just turned the corner and there's a metal statue with some giant balls, balls hanging out. Nice. It was quite quite an experience. With so, that and the Caribbean food, you sort of won me over, actually. Yeah. Name and you can like this giant truffle shed where everything is, and they do live music. Name one thing each to sell it to each of us. I already sold it to food. Goat curry and gonads, I'm on yeah. <laughs> It's got a bar as well. It's an interesting place to go visit. It's not like your typical garden centre that's anyway. So Webs of Witch Bowl is dull. That's I've been so many times now. That's really what you did this week, the garden centre. Yeah, well I also went to see Ant Man and the Wasp, which we'll all be talking about later. No, I like the garden centre more interesting. <laughs> Keith, have you been up to anything else exciting except mentoring? We're, going, we're going back tomorrow, we're giving yeah. actually giving him some more time. Now his now, yeah, 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 heart rates drop yeah. to an acceptable level. Had he had had he been here on the appropriate time, he could have had the appropriate time to tell us how his week was. I feel like he he cost You're just feeling time. spurned because he didn't rush here for you. He I, I had a magnum. I didn't drop it. <laughs> I ate it all. It was Nasty. very nice. I ate your magnum. Uh, I ate it all. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody shouted at me. I haven't got a cold. I haven't fallen over or sprained my ankles. Um, <laughs> have you been to an African themed garden centre? I haven't been to an African themed <laughs> garden centre. Uh, I have, what I have done is I've, I've been playing a couple of games that I'd kind of um, been meaning to for a long time. I started playing Destiny 2, which I'm quite enjoying. And then I was playing no Man's, light. no Man's Sky as I'm well. Still which is nice. Omnicord, by the way. Oh, no, I've been practicing that as well. I, I tried Wicked Game by Chris Isaac oh, and. Where the Streets Have No Name by U2. Yeah. So I've no tried those. Oh, and I've been trying to do uh, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This by the U Mix, um, which isn't quite working. Um, yeah. So I need to reinstall No Man's Sky myself. Now it was actually a multiplayer option. But it was weird because it was gone from first person to third person, which kind of jumped me the first one. Uh, yeah. I got, it's, it's, you know, it's just what a way to while away a few hours. Yeah. While you're not getting ready to get to a podcast. I mean, look, we should get that for Caledonians because it might give them something better to do. No, he can't navigate by water, so it's no good for him. There's not a lot of it around. He'd just be wandering around in circles trying to figure out how to get off the planet. I think the next time we do a day trip anyway, we give Callan a compass and just leave oh him somewhere. And he has to find us. Did you ever do that school trip where they give you like a coat hanger and you have to like use it as a divining rod to find water? Just do that. <laughs> give him a pack of mac and a bit of wire. And he'll, he'll, he'll keep oh himself Christ. entertained for hours. Challenge Kalanka. Yeah, a banana is his only snack. <laughs> Moving along. Welcome to the show, Mr. Shane Jeffsy, comics event extraordinaire. Hey, Dean. Hello, and thank you very much for that. <laughs> it's been a while since we've had you on the show. Yeah, ooh, about a year. Yeah. 
But uh, the reason you're joining us today is to talk all about the amazing ICE 2018 in Birmingham, which is That's not right. far away at all now. Months away, just mm-hmm. just just over a month away until the big day. Yeah. Yeah. So you're at your second year at the Birmingham's Conference and Events Centre, or the BCEC right. for the shorter name. The convention's being held on the 15th of September 2018, which is a Saturday. You're right around the corner from Nostalgia and Comics. It is. It is. It's perfectly placed, you know. It, it, obviously, it gives us extra people coming through the door, which is lovely. But it's great for those people who are travelling on the train, because the train station is like two minutes opposite, away. yeah. Pretty much opposite, yeah. It's, it's fantastic. And we, and we use the hotels nearby as well. Uh, so it's, everything's sort of very central. You've got the comic shop literally in the same building so it's great for the comic shop as well obviously because they, mm-hmm. they get lots lots of people coming from the con into the shop that day and they exhibit at the shop as well so it's a really nice build up a really good relationship with those guys yeah we're big fans of nostalgia and comics as well on the show ticket prices are amazing as well so there's early entry early bird entry at 10 a.m if you get an early bird ticket or 11 a.m for general public with the main event closing at 5 30 p.m Ticket prices are absolutely fantastic. So you've got £6 for students, uh, £12 for adults, kids under 13 go for free. The thing with pricing is it's it's, it's something you really have to keep your, your eye on, you know, because some trade, like, as you say, some events are putting uh, their prices up quite high now, I've mm-hmm. noticed. You know, you can put £25 a day or something like that. Yeah. I just think, um, OK, you know, some of these events are, are, are maybe bigger. But um, I think for the experience that you have, I think it shouldn't be, you know, the price shouldn't be based on the size of the event. Mm -hmm. I think it should be based on your experience while you're there, you know. And I think that we offer um, a really, really good experience, you know, very intimate with, you know, you get to meet all the guests, very personal. Um, There's no sort of barriers between the guests and the fans. And that's something that's really unique at ICE that we try to. Yeah, we, we will always, you know, maintain. I think it's it's a really good selling point, and mm-hmm. and the prices, you know, uh, we've kept our prices pretty much the same for the last uh, sort of well since we started. Really, we've never really put them up. Yeah, um, and I think that's really important because. We want it to be accessible. I mean, little kids can go for free, and we, like you say, we've got the student pass, which is six pound. Yeah, and then you've got the, and the regular pass. You know, if you just want to come and enjoy the show, it's twelve pounds. You know, that's that's incredibly cheap for for, for the standard of guests that, that we've got as well. We, we always try and get you know really big names mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I think when you know when you look at some of the other events, and I'm not sort of detracting from any other events here. I'm not, yeah. you know, not, not really criticising, and I'm just saying that I think personally for us, you know, we feel that um, you know value for money is a really really important element. And if you want to do a special VIP pass, they're fifty pounds. But you have an amazing event on the Saturday night. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure can. Yeah, the VIP um, event on the Saturday night. It's at uh, Cherry Reds, um, which is just around the corner from the venue. And you basically get to rub shoulders with all the guests. Um, so they'll all be there. And it's a really nice opportunity as well. If you're, if you're an aspiring creator, because it's a really nice networking opportunity. Mm-hmm. So we're sort of billing it as a, it's a VIP party, but it's also a networking party. Yeah. So we're sort of combining the two together. And uh, it's a really great venue as well. I don't know if you've ever been upstairs. Yes, Reds. absolutely. Yeah. I love Cherry Reds. Yeah, it's great. It's a really cool little cafe bar. And the guys there, they always put on a nice little spread for us as well. And it's just a really good atmosphere and a really sort of great way to sort of wind down, if you like, after the after the hustle and bustle of the convention mm-hmm. and just, you know, cement those relationships that you might have formed over the day and sort of plan the next day if you're staying for Comics Uncovered as well. We've got the Comics Uncovered on the Sunday and mm-hmm. also some Comics Uncovered events on the Saturday as well. So yeah. people who get a Comics Uncovered ticket, 
they're sort of you know they're getting there maybe on the on the Saturday to do the to the events as well. So we yeah. thought it would be really good to have the the, the, the uh, evening event on the Saturday so that everybody who's sort of invo- involved with both events can take part. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, um, as you mentioned, Comics Uncovered, this is a brilliant way to learn about how to get into the comics industry. You've got so many brilliant experts there to explain yeah. about things and how things run. I mean, uh, Steve Tanner was a recent announcement. Yes. Regular yes. guest on the show, uh, Flintlock Comics. And he just run another successful Kickstarter for another book, I believe it's Deliverance. So he has. Brilliant way to talk about the independent comic scene and how you can possibly get into the wider comic scene yeah, as well. Steve's great. Steve's great for that because um, he's obviously been very successful. He's also doing portfolio reviews for us at Comics Uncovered. Mm-hmm. So um, because he's offering some paid work to artists, which Brilliant. is great. You know, it, it's it's really good to see an independent publisher doing so well, and also you know getting involved in events and taking on new talent and developing new talent. So Steve's fantastic addition to that but obviously also on the uh, the comics uncovered scene we've also got dc comics and dark horse comics uh, mm-hmm. taking part we've got top editors uh, jim chadwick and uh, daniel Sharon are both coming over to do portfolio reviews and that's going to be fantastic for those who are re- you know really serious about getting into the industry because these guys are not only very experienced editors but they're also actually looking for new talent it's a brilliant way to get your stuff seen and to move on to the guests, some absolutely fantastic guests you have this year. I mean, probably headlining the event, John Magnat, Carlos Esquerra. Yeah, I mean, pair of legends, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's I, could, it's could, always a real treat to get both of those guys, you yeah. know, because um, they're just fantastic. They're really good with the fans as well. And mm-hmm. it's not that often you'll get... You'll both get in attendance uh, at the same event, yeah. That's right. And Dan Cornwell as well is uh, going to be a guest and he's working with John on the Rock of the Reds book. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a really nice sort of complimentary set of guests. And uh, we've probably got a couple more names to announce yet as well. So, uh, But already, you know, there's some, there's some great stuff. And also coming in from Italy, we've got Alessandro Vitti, mm-hmm. um, who's done some amazing work for both DC and Marvel. Yeah. Um, most yeah. notably the... Red Lantern series for DC and Iceman for Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just a really sort of really progressive artist. Yeah, and you got Rodney Ramos as well coming from the USA. That's right. Yeah, Rodney's coming over. He was a guest actually for us at Margate uh, earlier in the year, and he had such a good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just wanted to come back. We sold Birmingham to him basically. So you, <laughs> you think this was good? Come to Birmingham; it's even better. So uh, that's going to be great. We we did some karaoke singing, and he was the star of the show. And, and the evening after the event, so uh, I think he's looking for a repeat of that in Birmingham. To mention some of the more UK-based guests, uh, we've got Disraeli, of course, of course yep. legendary comics artist, Ian Edgerton, a legendary comic writer, uh, yep. Staz Johnson's there, Ian Richardson's there, Lou Stringer, yep. Phil Winslade, absolutely fantastic, brilliant list that you've got in attendance. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of legends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're doing a very nice little Beano thing as well, because it's 80 years of Beano this year, mm-hmm. so we've got a, a nice collection of uh, Beano creators, including, I mean, as you said already, Lou Stringer, yeah. we've also got Hunt Emerson, Laura mm-hmm. Howell, yeah. Nigel Parkinson, and they're going to be teaming up to do a, a special uh, Beano uh, celebratory panel, which is going to be really interesting. Brilliant. And to talk about some of the panels, you've got some amazing panels on throughout the day. You've got uh, John and Carlos, of course, and you mentioned yeah. the Beano panel, and there's always fun events around that. So Geek Syndicate, you're usually around, and they'll do a live show. 
That's right. Geek Syndicate, they're, they're, they're great guys. You know, they really do bring so much to ICE. You know, we've been working, well, I've been working with Barry and Dave since day one, really. I think 2007, they came and yeah. did the first live podcast show with us. So that that was pretty historic. And, they, and we've always worked with them because they're just really, really good. So, yeah, they're, they're doing some interviews. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, keeping it, we're keeping it a bit quiet who's going to be on the interviews um, yeah. at the moment. But we will be making full event announcements soon. And also, we've got Tony Esmond who's going to be doing an interview with a, with a creator. Len from uh, Englishman in San Diego is also going to be coming along and doing some stuff with us so got a really good set of hosts and also we'll be having the usual charity auction as well with some yeah. really cool stuff um, and supporting a beanstalk this year yeah that's right local charity uh, literacy charity we've always i've actually supported beanstalk for three years now so anything raised by the event goes to goes to those guys and it, it's a really good charity because yeah. it helps kids who are sort of reluctant readers or are having difficulty uh, sort of getting access to literacy and it does that in the schools it's a it's a, it's a fantastic uh, charity it really is and you've got some um Brilliant, amazing stuff that'll be available at the charities. Always original artworks, signed work, and some rare merchandise yeah. you're never going to find anywhere else. So if you if you ask for something a little bit unique, this is the place and the time to get it. It is, and you know sometimes it, it can be a steal. You know, you can get you can get some amazing stuff that like really really good prices because the you know they're so gen- genuinely uh, generous. The, the the guys at the show, you know, the guests mm-hmm. are always fantastic. We go around and say, "Have you got anything for the?" the auction you know and they give us some amazing stuff they really do you know like like you say original artwork um signed signed limited edition books things like that mm-hmm. stuff, it's really really good stuff and so it's a really good opportunity to get some uh, unique items one of the things with ice it's always been and always will be a completely comics focused event it's not a media and yes it's a comics event so yes it's, totally yeah. it's all about the celebration of the media of comics and very and, much so and you won't get people just there for just to sign it's there to celebrate comics as well totally totally i mean obviously the signings and the, and the sketching is all part of the fun you know mm-hmm. and uh, and the thing is most of the guys who come uh, to ice you know they sign for free you yeah know? or they they might they might if it's a lot of signatures they might ask for a charity donation yeah um, which goes to our charity you know so it's not they're not there to sort of make money out of the fans they're there to meet the fans, show their appreciation to the fans who mm-hmm. have basically, you know, supported their careers. Yeah. So it's a, it's a really different sort of vibe uh, to what you might get at a big media show, which is very much sort of, you know, you, you feel that sense of... Set. I've been to a couple of them and I feel like there's there's us, the fans, and there's them, the, yeah. the, the creators, you know. And you're like, you've got to break that down a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important to do that. I mean, and that's what... Uh, the BCC is a great place to mingle as well. I mean... Mm. Uh, previous events been at the studio, which was a fantastic venue, but having it all yeah. on one floor lets things move around a little bit. Yeah, it, 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 it makes life a lot easier for us. <laughs> <laughs> managing one floor is a lot easier than managing three, I can tell yeah. you that. Yeah. I mean, great venue, don't get me wrong. I love mm-hmm. that venue so much. One of the main reasons we changed venues is because the loading is yeah. so much better at the BCC. So it's so much easier for exhibitors, and it's so much easier to manage for us. And so all of it being on one floor is just fantastic. I mean, occasionally you have to go up some stairs to go to a talk or something mm-hmm. like that at the BCC, but um, it's a lot easier to navigate. I'm less likely to sort of miss mm-hmm. events that they desperately want to see. And I, it's a very relaxed atmosphere at the BCC as well. Yeah, I mean, we 
we attended last year and we did a little video that you might have seen online on our YouTube channel. Oh, yes. <laughs> but uh, it was a fantastic day. Me and Keith had a great experience. And you do also have a brilliant range of dealers and traders there as well. Yeah, and so I mean, that's if, you something... looking, if you are looking for gaps in your comic collection there, Keith was looking for his ROM series at that point. <laughs> but it's a brilliant That's good way. to know. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's completed it now. He's moved on to Micronauts. <laughs> oh, that's a, that, 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 there's a lot of those about you shouldn't, yeah. have, shouldn't have a problem filling those gaps it's fantastic for retailers like, like last year i mean we, we had so many and a few mm-hmm. surprise ones as well you know because ian edgerton came along and said mm-hmm. oh um, can i have another table to like sell a load of comics and i just thought it's just gonna be a few trades you know a few comps yeah. it was his collection and <laughs> amazing stuff and at amazing prices i couldn't yeah. believe how cheap some of that stuff was going i think he did a lot better than some of the actual <laughs> traders there <laughs> Because <laughs> for me, a really important part of a con is uh, is having the traders there, having the back yeah. issues, so the collectors can really enjoy the event as much as you know art fans and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, I know it's a lot of your guests who always go up and have a wander and fill gaps in their own collections, usually when they're there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I see a few, you know, sort of filling filling their bags up. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, you know, it's, it's, and it's great that the guests can, and it's, that's really important to me as well, is that the guests can enjoy the event mm-hmm. just as much as the fans and the exhibitors can enjoy it. I want everyone to have a good time, you know? Yeah. Um, so we concentrate a lot on sort of the guest experience as well as the fan experience. and Because at the end of the day, those, those guys become your ambassador, yeah. you, know? you know, if they're talking to other guests and their friends in the industry, I think sometimes you can be easy to be short-sighted, you know, as an, as an organiser. Think of that event alone and just think, right, we're going to put on this event. It's going to be great. We're going to get everything we can out of the guests, you know, because we want it to be great. But then you think, well, these, these, these are people, you know, and they want to have a good time. They're going to talk to their friends in the industry. They're going to tell them so-and-so at ICE, you know, oh, he was a bit of a miserable sod, you know. <laughs> I didn't have a good time there. They didn't look after me. So it, it makes sense, you know, to, to treat your guests well. Mm-hmm. And it's just a nice thing to do, you know. So... We've got such good relations, which is why we have so many back, you know, yeah. I think, I hope, <laughs> is that because they've had a good time, you know, mm-hmm. and that then comes out in their mood when they're dealing with the, the fan. If the guests are happy and they've, they've been treated well, they're going to be a lot more receptive to quests for really complicated sketches from fans. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I mean, as I said, the, the sketches and the commissions you can get done are absolutely stunning as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one example for me is Ian uh, Richardson. You know, a, he's a local artist, and yeah. uh, he sort of he's, he's really putting himself out there at the moment, doing lots of cons, mm-hmm. and he's doing some great work as well. He's so good with, with the commissions. You know, he takes on board quite a lot, um, and they always look really nice, really finished. Yeah, he's just one example of one of those artists that just turns around great sketches. And for people who are fans of like the human comics, Lou Stringer, wow, you know, he just ch- churns out these really nice cartoons you know and they're so good they, i mean he's a pro you know he's been doing it for so many years mm-hmm. but the lines are just perfect you know and these don't look like sketches they look like finished artwork another fantastic service which you'll get at ice and you probably won't get at very many of the comic conventions is cbcs will be in attendance so they can be signature witness got um rob brown coming over from i think from ireland actually comes over mm-hmm. and does a, a cbcs for us great service really really high quality grading and it's a pretty quick turnaround now as well with cbcs so it's, it's a great opportunity if you've got some really collectible stuff or some stuff that you've bought that you think might be collectible in the future to get it graded you know secure that grade 
mm-hmm. and then you can you know if you're if you're into sort of selling stuff on and things like that i think a lot of people come to the show actually and, and pick stuff up like that you know collectible stuff yeah there's a big thing now it's it, i think pre-grading's getting getting bigger and bigger and i think it's a you know it's a really it's very enjoyable for collectors it's sort of like a it's another stage of collecting if you like yeah um, so that'll be that, that's that's a good little addition to the show i think i think it really is a as a convention, you've got to be involved in every aspect of, um, you know, the collecting, uh, the art side of things, all, all aspects of comics. You know, I don't think you want to sort of shut anything out. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of conventions sort of aren't re- don't really embrace grading for mm. personal reasons. I don't know because they don't think it's a good idea or whatever. Yeah. But I don't, you know, you shouldn't force your own sort of uh, ideas onto onto a show in, in such an extent that you exclude a whole section of the mm-hmm. of the fan base. Yeah. You know? For me, I think it's it's important to include uh, grading. No, yeah, I mean, as I said, it's uh, all inclusive and, and it's all about comics. And grading is part of comics, as it That's is right. in this modern way. So, you yeah, however really... you, f- you know, however anyone feels, you know, it's, it is part of the hobby. You know, for a lot of people, comics are a hobby, and I think you know it's very easy. For, so, I mean, I, I'm I'm guilty of it probably, you know, because I love comics as a medium. You know, for me, it's all about the art, and, yeah, and the craft. You know, it's very easy to fall into that trap of saying. Oh, these hobby hobby collectors—they're they're, not—they don't really love comics. They're just collecting to like make money or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's part of the fun. That's part of the fun for a lot of people. That's the whole reason they do it. That's why they come to the shows. I mean, I know yeah. a lot of people who want to get an entire run of comics, and that's right. And it's, yeah. that's that's still part of that hobby collecting is you want everything that's been part of that run from start to finish. So definitely. And if anyone's honest, I think a lot of people are honest. If they. You know, they look back into their childhood of why they started getting comics. It's probably because they were collectors. Mm-hmm. You know, before they became, you know, real appreciators of the art uh, itself. Yeah. A lot of the time we get into this. I did. You know, I got into comics because I wanted to collect them. Yes, I loved reading them as a kid. You yeah. know, I, I think I started with like Star Wars, Planet of the Apes, and stuff like that. Yeah. I loved it all. And then you get into the collector mentality. And I'd be, I was a collector for years, you know. And then, obviously, as I matured, I started to appreciate the, the actual art and the craft more. Mm-hmm. You know, there were certain turning points in my life where I think when I read, you know, Scott McLeod's Understanding Comics, opened up my eyes a little bit, and I was like, oh yeah, this is the comics are actually bloody amazing, aren't they? And, you know, my opinions change, but and I then think, you do you get you know, your favourite writer, your favourite artist, and you'll want to collect their runs on multiple different comics as well. Yes, exactly. And the, so there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to, you know, if you want to preserve that mm-hmm. in some way by, say, grading it and slapping it, that's fair enough. It's your mm-hmm. comic, you bought it. Well, it's insurance <laughs> you know? as well, which a lot of people don't realise yeah. is the value of their collection. So a grading yes. is a great way to get a price for insurance. Because if you exactly. lose that comic hit comic collection, it's going to be very expensive and very difficult to replace it sometimes. Yes. If you're a serious collector and you've got a very valuable collection, it really does help you with that. So, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, and I've met some guys who are very serious collectors, you know. Yeah. I've seen some beautiful collections as well at ICE. Um, one, one dealer came in one year and he had an amazing collection. Um, I don't think, I think some of the stuff he had on display, he wasn't even selling, you know, he was just yeah. like, this is what I've got, you know. <laughs> um, I think it was just his opportunity to show off his collection, you know. Just for a bit um, of comics envy, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I remember one guy coming to me, oh, that dealer over there, he's not even selling that comic, he's just showing it off, I want to buy it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, well, you probably can't afford it anyway. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's not, and it's lovely to see these books, you know, when the, when the dealers come, you know, they're amazing, perhaps 15 or mm-hmm. they're fantastic for number one or whatever, you know. 
Yeah. It is really nice to be able to see those books. And if, they, if they're in a good grades, yeah. it's part of comics. It's comics heritage, isn't it? It's really yeah. nice to see. I mean, everybody's always wanting that Action Comics number one in the bedroom, in the uh, loft somewhere, but... Yeah, God. There's yeah, some the, brilliant... The dream come true, isn't it? You know, <laughs> moving to a new house, you know, opening the loft, and there's a, there's a load of, like, gold made of Silver Age comics in there. I think we all, we've all had that dream, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. You have been expanding out ice to a couple of different venues over the last few years. Do you want to fill us in on where else we can find you if people can't come to Birmingham? Yeah, I mean, if if, you're, if they're down south, um, or if they are down south at that time, and on the 3rd of November, we're doing another Ice Brighton. Um, last year, we did it in the summer, and it was a great show. We had a really good time, some great guests. And so, we, so we moved it to um, to November. And, and so instead of a summer special, it's a winter special. And you already announced um, some great guests there. I mean, Rachel Smith, who we spoke to at Leamington Comic Con yeah. a few months back, she's going to be there. Got yes, Marco Santucci, yeah. uh, Glenn Favory. So there's already a brilliant list of guests yeah. coming through. And there's some more I'm going to be announcing as well. Talking to a whole host of guests, overseas guests, about Ice Brighton going to be a nice little surprise some of these guys have never been to the uk before i can't announce them yet because it's not 100 percent confirmed so when they do confirm i can't wait to announce because it's brighton's going to have a really unique flavor to it if all of these guys come over it's going to be a very unique show so i'm very excited about that so if anyone needs to find any more information about ice birmingham and they can find you on twitter at ice comic con i-c-e-c-o-m-i-c-o-n facebook at ice comic con and the website is www.thecomicshow.co.uk i believe that's the one yeah you can find out about all of our events on Mm -hmm. comicshow.co.uk yeah yeah and early bird tickets are already up on eventbrite so if you just go to eventbrite and search for ice birmingham 2018 get your tickets now yeah get them now before they're all gone they do sell out (laughs) We um, did last year, yeah. you know. I think it was the first time we actually sold out. It wasn't until right at the end, you know, we were very lucky, so we managed to get everybody in who wanted to get in. That was an experience, sort of selling out, you know, filling up the venue, as it were. Yeah. So uh, there is, you know, so I would say to people, get your tickets, because uh, really don't want to have to say you can't come in to anyone. You know? Yeah, and you can also get the amazing poster drawn by Damien Edwardson in celebration yes. of the event, so you can order your copy there. Online. You can, and it's, it's unique. It's unique as well. It's, it's exclusive. You can only get it at ICE. Mm-hmm. It is unique, you know, because it's digitally produced, yeah. and the, the, the actual posters and the prints are only available at ICE. And you can order them in advance from the website, or you can pick them up at the show. Mm-hmm. And they are all limited editions. And obviously, Damien's there. He's exhibiting, so he can yeah. sign it. John's there. Cars is there. Yep. So you can get all the signatures on the posters, which is, you know, it's a nice little memento, isn't it, to take away from your weekend. Yeah, brilliant. And um, still some very limited dealer tables available if you were planning on getting down and getting a table. I think there's some indie tables available as well. Yeah, we've got a couple of, I think there's, we've got three retailer tables, I think, available now um, because we had a cancellation. That's right, like I mentioned earlier. So mm-hmm. if anyone, you know, if anyone wants to you know, get rid of their collection or if there's any dealers out there that want to sort of... Uh, jump in there that we've got three tables available so it's a chance to get in there and promote your own work as well and it's a great way to, uh, place to find some independence as well i mean it's something we always focus on the geeky premieres independent comics is a thriving yeah. scene at the minute this is a brilliant chance to probably even meet some other artists collaborate on other things it's, it's a melting pot it really is especially with com- comics uncovered going on because we've got obviously artists and writers who are serious sort of people you know they're professionals really you know already they're just not you know maybe working for some 
some of the bigger publishers, but these guys are really talented and they're coming in to meet the bigger publishers and to meet other artists, meet writers, to network. And so if you're a writer or an artist or a colorist or, or a small publisher and you're looking for artists, um, it's probably the best place to come, yeah. you know, because there's a lot of people there specifically for that reason. It really is an incredible melting pot of talent and technical ability and, and expertise as well, because obviously the speakers are all there and they're all very approachable. You know, the guys who are doing the talks, doing the portfolio reviews from, you mm-hmm. know, from whether it's from DC or Dark Horse or Indie, they're all really approachable. You know, you can go right up to them and say, can you give me some advice on, on this? And, and, and they will, they'll do it. You know, they're, yeah. they're great people. They really are. Great place to pick up some pointers on where to, where yeah. to go to next. Yes, definitely, definitely. And, it's, and if you're sort of, you know, partly through your career, even, you know, say you've had a, you've done a couple of things for Titan or 2018, and you're sort of not sure where, you know, what how to take the next step. We're concentrating very much on that this year. There's a couple of events specifically about how to take your career forward, breaking in. People put so much energy into breaking into comics. Yeah. Um, you know, and then they break in. It's like, oh, well, what do I do now? Yeah. You know, like, I've got how do you job. maintain how, that momentum? Yeah, yeah. How do I? Yeah, exactly. How do I get more work? How do I meet more editors? And that's something we're concentrating on this year at Comics Uncovered because we've got a lot of people who regularly come to Comics Uncovered and they've sort of broken into the industry or they're they're on the cusp of breaking into the industry and they're sort of say they're saying to me, you know, we, we want more. We want we don't just want the beginner's guide. We want yeah. to know what we do next. So we're we're really sort of feeding that um, desire now. Mm-hmm. And if people want to find out more information about Comics Uncovered. Uh, where where can they find you online on that one? Um, we can be found at www.comicsuncovered.co.uk. Mm-hmm. Nice and easy and straightforward. And uh, and I think it's at Comics Uncovered on Facebook as well. Yeah, so you can find out all about all the amazing talks on there, who's going to be in attendance for learning, uh, what events there are, how to book onto courses. That's right. Brilliant. All that. Yeah, thanks very much again for joining us today, Shane. Shane, no problem at all, Ryan. No, it's always a pleasure. Always yeah. a pleasure. And just to reconfirm, Ice Comic Con, fifteenth of September, Birmingham Comics and Exhibition Centre, directly opposite New Street Station. Best place to yep. come and learn all about the comics industry and meet some amazing creators too. Definitely, um, <laughs> absolutely. Look forward to seeing you on the fifteenth. Yeah, and you, Ryan. Yeah, thank you very much for the time, mate. No worries. Thanks very much. All best. So we finally got another Marvel movie this year. Six weeks, was it? Six weeks after the United States? Four. Feels like six. It's, it, was, it was a while. It was a while. And this is... And okay, so before we get into the chat, this is the annoying thing. Crazy Rich Asians are in the States right now. We don't get it till November. I'm sorry, what? what? Why are you releasing a rom-com in November? A rom-com is like an action blockbuster. It's a light, fluffy film to watch in the summer months. To warm the cockles of your heart in the cold, cold autumn. Half term is allowed because that's when the mummies take their kids to the cinema, put them in one screen, and then they go and watch the rock. How oh, very sexist of you. Daddy's may go as well. <laughs> Saved. Because <laughs> you just find, need to find a daddy to take me. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's Ant Man and the Wasp. Worst title ever, I'm sorry. Yes, it direct, sucks. Directed by Peyton Reed. I don't even know who that is. I'm just looking at his history online and he's done. Bring it on. He looks like, oh, uh, he I, looks I like Dan Cooper Gavin. Yes, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he took over the direction of Ant-Man after oh, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright left. Right, yeah. Um, well, what, okay, what did you guys think? 
I mean, I, I enjoyed um, the chairs were good. Um, it was a good experience in the cinema. Um, <laughs> there was a man who kept shouting out things at people in the cinema. Um, well, I've told you to be quiet. So. Um, yeah, but the experience, the whole experience of the cinema was great. I don't know about your experience of the cinema, Keith. Was it a good experience at the cinema? Yeah, that's what we do on this show, is we review its cinema experience. That's what you do. I, my experience was slightly marred by the fact Mamma Mia was still running in the big screen at my local flea pit. So we got booted down to screen two, which is just as comfortable. It's very nice. Very quiet. Bad lovely up. afternoon. I hate the size of a Batman. No, I mean, it's not the Odeon New Street. That's that's where that is. And I'm sorry, Odeon New Street, but you deserve to be called out because you are the worst cinema in the history of the world. <laughs> I like going there because it's always like empty. Yeah, but so you might as well just go to your front room. I should pay people to go to that cinema. I wouldn't mind that. Hit me up for some Sponcon. Ryan, we took cinema experience good? Uh, yes, I went to Sydney World Broad Street. Do you have a to say about the film? Yes. The film... <laughs> If I describe the film as in like comparison to the rest of Marvel movies, I'd say it's a pre Ragnarok film kind of feel. I get exactly what you mean. Like it's sort of it's fun, and it is definitely on the lighter end of the sort of Marvel spectrum. It's much more. It's like you know the Spider Man and the and the latest Thor. Yeah. But just without the really the shorthand to give it personality as well as just some light humour. It's yeah. very... It just felt lightweight in every sense of the word, which isn't necessarily a bad yeah. thing. I mean, the plot is threadbare, to be generous. Yeah. There is really no plot to this film. Well, the plot is exactly the same as it was in the first movie. It's, it's As soon as it's mentioned that, yeah. you know, Wasp 1.0 was lost in the quantum realm, you know that's what it's going to be about. Yeah. And it, that... Yeah, it's... I mean, I'd say the first film's more of a heist movie because it's got that typical three-act heist structure. And that, but that's what I loved about the first one, mm-hmm. whereas you don't really have the same kind of influences or references in this one. It's just more of a generic yeah. action movie. It makes okay use of the San Francisco setting. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some like lovely odes to Bullet. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it, 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 was, it, was a, it was a fun way of spending it, two hours. And the action was just as fun as it was in the first one, you know, with turning big things, yeah, turning little things big, it, and, 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 you know, yeah. It's a Marvel kids film. Yeah. As, as some people have described it, this is more aimed towards your child audience. And I think with the timing of the release, they wanted something very light as a palate cleanser after the kind of, you know, the, the trauma that was Infinity War. Yeah, I mean, um, pretty much the entire original cast returned back, but Paul Rudd, but Evangeline Lilly, uh, Michael Pena, who is the best thing in this film by a country league. He, yes, yeah. And, and and they sort of basically recycle what made him funny in the first one yeah. to sort of diminishing returns, but he's still just sort of, he's so, he's got this lovely like natural charm to him that even when mm. he's like, he doesn't really need to be there as the sidekick, he's still just really entertaining. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, got the most sort of natural personality in the film. Yeah. Everyone else is very much following just a Marvel script and then he's just there doing his own weird thing but it really yeah. it's fun to watch. I mean if he would be the perfect narrator for like the next Avengers movie. It's like 10 minutes where he has to explain what on, went on in the last film. I feel like that they should just do that as like the next Marvel short. Just have him narrating the entire dead 10 year history of Marvel yeah. but with the scenes where you've got the actors who are miming what he's saying because yeah. that's really worked for me. My thing with the weakest thing with this was I think it was too much focus on the father-daughter relationship with Cassie. 
I mean, I mean, I mean, we understand his motivation for the first film, and it, it felt like this was a bit sledgehammered to get into the what he's I, doing it all for his daughter. Thing. What I liked about that was, though, that they kind of the Judy Greer and Bonnie, Bonnie kind of Bobby Cannavale character, yeah. so the the ex wife and then the ex wife's new partner. Yeah, he's a cop. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it was refreshing to have them be on his side and just like you know what they're all grown ups, they're friends, they're all raising that girl together, yeah. and there was none of that. And which you got in a bit of the first one where it's like, oh, you know, just the, she's the, the, married, the, yeah. the naggy ex-wife and the, and the, the douchey new guy. And it's like, actually, no, I love that they kind of immediately, they were like, no, we're not doing that. It's They're, what they call Mrs. Doubtfire Syndrome because that was pretty much the epitome of that film. And it's like any any film where there's like a lovable loser in the main role, if he's got yeah. an ex-wife, she's always portrayed as the Harridan. So yeah. it was nice that she was actually on his side in this film. I mean, and, it, and it's Judy Greer, who is the actress best known for playing that character who probably doesn't have a name. She's she's the best friend. She's the cuckoo neighbor. She's yeah. she's never given she's, she's never much to do, um, but she's still sort of. So I I liked I like the family dynamics. I, I think that then you had the the family uh, the father daughter dynamic with Michael Douglas and Evangeline Lilly as well. Yeah, then, then you had the mother daughter thing with her and Michelle Pfeiffer, and then you had like the 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 villain of the piece had this tragic backstory with her father, and it just yeah. felt all a bit. I was like, I'm really bored. I don't need everyone to have a tragic family story just like entertain me I mean the thing um, Dr. Hank Pym in the comics he's a very tragic character isn't he well you can I use the word git yep. yeah he's a git <laughs> he is really um, a git yeah I mean he's a wife beater he's an alcoholic I mean, yeah they, they, they pull no punches with his character in the comics in the early days he was good yeah but it's kind of like they dialed a lot of that back and it's kind of referred to that Michael Douglas is a bit of a git to work with but that's all yeah. you really get from this but I mean that's no. fine because I I don't want photocopied duplications of what's in the comics. Yeah, it's just it just wouldn't work. And I think like Phil said that the more realistic family dynamics that was going on in that yeah. story and the kind of thing that was going on was really nice. And I think it's just solid entertainment. You know, mm. there was there was nothing outstanding about it apart from the de aging effects that they used for the main yeah. cast because that was incredible because they all looked fantastic. It um, wasn't like in X Men Three where they, no. like they made it a play doh. <laughs> it was it was very natural. I mean, I would have liked to have had a bit more of Bill Foster's character and Goliath yeah. and all of that kind of stuff because he's got a bit well, of a backstory in the so, comics. So as well. we come back to the new cast. So you've got Hannah John Kamen as Ava slash Ghost. You mentioned you've got Lawrence Fishburne as Doctor Bill Foster. Um, Randall Park as FBI agent Jimmy Woo. And you've got Walton Goggins, who's basically just Sonny Burt arms dealing. He's not really that tech dealer. That whole character, it was. It felt like to me they were like, right, well, we need another obstacle for them, but we're not going to really put... It's like they ran out of time when it came to writing him as a character. He was just a plot device with a southern accent. He was just a one-sided, here's another bad guy for you. It was, yeah. a, it was a... It's a it was a classic, like eighties action movie sequel. Yeah, it was. It was very much kind of that. It paid homage to the kind of action movies of the of the eighties, where people would, go, you know, you, you're getting pretty much the same thing over again, but with a little bit of extra sauce for, for you know bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. But it's solid. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a brain off movie. It's the brain of these Marvel movies. They're all different. You know, this couldn't be any more different to um, the Infinity War in terms of yeah. its tone. It's it's great. I mean, it, it opens it up. It means that if you don't dig Infinity War, you might yeah. dig Ant Man. If you don't dig Ant Man, you might dig Thor. If you don't dig Thor, you might like dig Captain America. So it's not it's not like you've got to slavishly 
watch every one. I'd say this is, as you said, it's more of a low an 80s caper movie. It's all yeah. about, it's, it's pretty much just one long giant chase scene from start to finish. It's, a, it's a bit of fun. It's the kind of thing that, you know, uh, Bill Murray and uh, Dan Aykroyd would yeah. have been in in the 80s. I mean, you know, it's, it's a damn sight better than Spies Like Us and stuff yeah. things like that. But it's just solid. It's just entertaining. It's two hours that you just go, that was cool. I like the effects. The characters were entertaining. What I really appreciated was they dialed back the rest of the MCU quite a lot in it. We do get quite a lot of references back to Civil War and that's why he's in this position he is in the start. We get a very short reference to S.H.I.E.L.D. halfway through, but the rest of the MCU is kind of pushed to one side. What I liked about the first one, again, was apart from the, at the very, very end when it brings in S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. um, that it takes place entirely separately. You, it, yeah. it, it does feel like it's not a superhero film, it's not a Marvel film, it was a heist movie that just happened to take place in this universe. Yeah. And that's what I like about, like, now that Marvel has built this, you know, 10-year movie world, I'd love to see different genres of stories taking place in this universe. Yeah, so I mean, they've a got heist enough movie. to do. Yeah. There's enough characters, well, there's enough that, variation that they could play around with this a lot It's more. the big difference that Scott Lang's got. He got caught. And yeah. So he's under house arrest. He's not yeah. Thor, who's flown off to another planet. He's not or... Captain America, who's got this history yeah. of knowing how to hide. And so he's wanting to pay for his actions. And what was nice is, um, because he is just an ordinary fella who just sort of fell into this, um, the stakes in these films, in the Ant-Man films, feel refreshingly low. It's yeah. not half of all life in the universe is going to get wiped out. It's not an entire city is going to be destroyed. It's just... We're looking, you know, this one this, guy trying to do a, a, the right thing. Basically. He's trying to do the right thing, you know. You've got a woman who's looking for a mother, and you've got the the main villain. She, her motivations are entirely understandable. It's just she's just looking to trying to save herself. I think that's the thing that Marvel have cracked recently. People used to complain about the villains of of these kind of movies, and I think with Black Panther, uh, Infinity War, and this, they've given us antagonists, not villains. People who have got reasons for doing what they are doing but not necessarily just out and out evil i i do count that point because i think hannah john cayman's character is the weakest example of this because she's a brilliant actress and she didn't have very much to play with at all in this film i so i i only watched it today i was absolutely delighted to see her take off the mask and realize yeah. that it was dutch from Kill, killjoys yeah. because i yes yeah, i absolutely agree she's a fantastic actress she's brilliant in sci-fi and action stuff so this yeah. was a perfect fit for her but it was it just felt like she felt you under you she had to give all of her backstory in one speech and it felt so clumsy and it was like they just didn't really figure out how sympathetic to make her how how evil to make her and so that meant that at the end then when she sort of gets away and then you re- and you yeah. you know it sort of leaves room for her to kind of maybe redeem herself and become like an anti-hero it just felt, it just a, sort bit of felt a bit fisted. it felt a bit of a cheat yeah like they didn't really put the work in for that alright yeah any more to expand on your yes it's good wow <laughs> alright the last thing to mention post credit scene as soon as the, that post credit scene started I kind of I did predict that that was what was going to happen yeah and so I'm kind of it, it was almost satisfying just because I was like yeah I know this is going to happen um, I mean, it was nice to see the quantum realm on screen because they've done a nice job with it. It's kind of like the counterpart to Doctor Strange where you've got the other dimensions. Yeah. But was it needed? It wasn't needed, but I think that this is what fans have come to expect from the films now where the post credit scene will always connect it to... It'll be the connective tissue that, you know, kind of attaches it to the rest of that universe. Mm-hmm. And coming off the coming off the tails of 
Infinity yeah. War. It, I think people would have maybe felt cheated if this movie just if, took if place entirely without any reference to the fact that this apocalyptic event has happened. I mean, it's a solid film. I just think it's been placed wrongly in the shit. No, it hasn't. Because it's obviously going to link into Captain Marvel. It's been placed correctly. It didn't need to be a big... It's, it's a sequel they added here. They had yeah. to find where to put it here. But to explain all the stuff about the quantum realm, they didn't want to do that before Infinity War. They wanted that to come in afterwards, because obviously that's going to be the big part of the next film. So they didn't want to give all their cards away before Infinity War. Yeah, I agree with God. In terms of, I think it, it, it was the right film to follow Infinity War. It's a, I mean, it's a placeholder movie. Yeah. But it was a fun way to spend an hour and a half. But before we got to that, I loved the little uh, title credits at the end with the little miniatures oh, that they the made. Action figures. They, were, yeah. they were incredible. It was I very that. cute, yeah. And it is worth staying until the final credits just for the last little joke. For that three-second scene at the Not end. Not if you need the toilet, though. So, the Academy Awards have thrown out a little bit of the curveball. They're trying to be more popularist. Yeah. Explain it. Uh, they're rearranging it to fit the TV schedule going forward, and they're introducing a popular movie category. Not a category for La La Land every year. Oh, <laughs> tumbleweed! I mean, that, that joke would have killed two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> they even did it themselves last year. That's how bad that joke is now. I was looking at Ryan for laughs, and I got nugs. <laughs> got a tumbleweed. Look at like a bad presenter at the Oscars. And there have been plenty of those. Excuse me, <laughs> Billy Crystal here. <laughs> I'm no unhappy, put it that way. <laughs> Keith, popular movie category, do you think it's new? <coughs> no, it's a stupid idea, and they should renege any, uh, any attempt to put it in. It's... If you if you can't be bothered to vote for these kind of things anyway, in your categories, you pretentious bunch of um, models, ingrates, uh, don't have it. It's like it's a ridiculous thing. Well, this is the thing. I mean, because they select the movies prior to categorization, and it's basically you'll get your five movies and saying this is for consideration for this. But what makes a popular movie? What, what's, what's the, what's the cat- how are they going to define this cat- category it probably get over it has to hit a certain amount of gross probably or something like that and, but then that that just that's gross that's not popular it, it's an undefinable thing it's like uh, well is it popular with the under sevens is it popular with the over fifties it's like who is it you know and the academy members they don't care anyway they're just going to get some screener that they're going to then leak out onto the internet anyway so you know it's like they should, they should I, I not think do it's it. recognising the seismic shift in cinema we've had over the last 10 years. Because now you have two very different categories of film. You have the triple A film and then the Oscar bait independent movie. And that's pretty much where it is now. That middle gap of films seems to have dissipated over the last few years. It's either got to be throw all the money into the sun at it and hope it's a massive hit. Or keep it small, keep it tight, make it a passion project and hope that it gets Oscar worthiness. Or have it be something with like, you know, Meryl Streep just streeping to her heart's content and then yeah. that's going to be like, you know, if it's like a, 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 a movie. streeping. Yeah, you know, like if it is just like, you know, like the prestige white actors playing prestige white roles, you know, yeah. that's going to be a really expensive movie, but it's also the kind of movie that the you know, Academy jurors just absolutely, you know, feel I mean, that we all know over. what an Oscar bait movie is. It's always a heartwarming true story, or it's always it's always they've got to come overcome some adversity, or there's some disability, or 
Or like quir- yeah. quirky boy and quirky girl yes. fall in love. Something like that. It can't be just a good film. It's got to be something something with the worthiness to it. And it's and, but that's the thing is and now you can spot Oscar bait movies Ooh, a mile away. This has got to be based on someone's life as well. Yeah. Or, I mean, or a book, yeah. I mean the blind side that was the biggest bit of Oscar bait that's been out of the most recent history and that was just any excuse to so exploitative. Yeah. Um was he blind in the blind side? Yes. Right. No. No. Was no. no, it was about a white woman who it was a true story oh, about a white woman who adopts a black like a 30-year-old guy, basically. Yeah, that's about how old he looks. Um, so she adopted a 30-year-old Well, he looked 30. I think, he's probably, <laughs> I think he was. I, I he don't remember the film. I just remember it being really worthy Oscar. Though. But it, it creates then this divide and this snobbery where, like, what, what, what about a movie that you just really enjoy and you will go back to again and again that was just, like, that is incredibly well-made? And, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. Black Panther. The Meg. It, it, yeah. <laughs> well... This, this is that thing, it's like you get these two distinct films. You have films which are popcorn movies. They are there to go and be enjoyed at the map or watch them at home. It's, it's entertainment. But you, then you've got a movie like Black Panther, which is, you know, it's a Marvel movie, it's a popcorn movie, but it's also a critique on colonialism and slavery. So yeah. it's sort of, it's like, it's like an Oscar bait popcorn movie. Yeah. Because it's got amazing performances, it's got, it should win all the Oscars for set design and costume design at least, because the visuals in that are incredible, the acting in it is incredible, the writing in it is incredible, why are films like that that are so tightly written, that pack an emotional punch, that tell an amazing story, and have cultural resonance, like, why isn't that... But that film will get nominated costume design it special will effects. get nominated for special effects it will go all the popularist the films well. always mm. get nominated for the kind of minor technical well look um, at the Lord of the Rings which is probably one of the biggest franchises of all time that all got nominated up until the last film it was all special effects costuming miniatures design work sound and that was yeah. it but what, and until the last film it finally got nominated for best film he got he sweep the board he got 15 yeah. 15 Oscars but to be honest what is an Oscar going to bring to a populist film a lot of the a lot of the things I'll say, oh, when Oscar, giving an Oscar to kind of like a lower budget film will bring more people to come and watch it. If people have already slapped down over a billion dollars to watch it and are buying it on 4K Blu-ray and are buying the toys and buying the books. Yeah. What's, what is an Oscar going to bring to that film? Star Wars, how many Oscars did Star Wars get? Oh, hardly any. So you think this is like the start of like the Weinstein effect on the Oscars? So like, you know, I don't really talk about him that much, but... Obviously, he has a lot of control over the Oscars, so now, like, his influence is gone, that they're going to start messing it up and start introducing categories like this and changing the game I, so other things can break through. I think it's a case of we're scrabbling to keep up with the film industry. And I think, well, those middle-of-the-road, middle-era movies, which is where the main Oscar bait was found, it was where you'd get a couple of hundred million invested into this um, Oscar bait movie where it was always going to be as I said true life story or adversity or something like that those those films are fizzling out now because people either want action or they want something like an independent movie where Moonlight Moonlight is a great example that would never have been up for an Oscar 10 years ago mm. that would have probably just won the best independent or best short or you, and don't think forget you've got stuff like the Sundance Festival uh, Sundance you've got Spirit you've got all these other movie awards setting up now which the Oscars can't really compete with. Even stuff like Cannes, 10, 15 years ago, you wouldn't have this many festivals going around, you wouldn't have this many independent movies. Uh, c- cinema has become a lot more free because people now record on their phones, they can 
do a film really, really cheap. I mean, look at Clerks. Clerks is an amazing film, but that would have been made even easier nowadays just because mm. the access to technology you had. I mean, Kevin Smith completely destroyed his credit cards just to get that movie made. You wouldn't be able to even have to do that now. You could set up two mobile phones in a shop and record that quite easily, no cost. I'd rather see Oscars for stunt performance and motion capture performances coming in before popularist movie. Mm-hmm. And as long as they don't go down the route of making it a public vote, because obviously the Oscars, oh. the Oscar Academy can't be trusted to vote for Bob. They make it's it a public vote. It's going to be twenty four if it's popular. Yeah. We know we know the public cannot be trusted after years of X Factor and and the Electoral College, but <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's a bad misstep, I think, to try and be inclusive. They're trying to be inclusive, but in a really bad way. I think that what the best way they can be inclusive is shake up the the Academy membership. And yeah. make the academy membership more inclusive of people who are likely to vote for different things. You've got Kavenzalu Wallace, who is in Beasts of the Southern Wild, and she's like, like a teenager. Yeah. I mean, they're making, they're trying to make it much more diverse in terms of age, also in general, gender and race. So you've got people who are coming in who are going to be making selections and making recommendations that are different. I know who you could put on a panel to mess, like mess things up a bit. The Rock. He'd have, he'd have opinions, like, I reckon The Rock would go in. I sorted. I imagine that The Rock is just so nice. It, it'd be like going to a movie with your mum. It's like, they'll just find something nice to say about it. It's like, well, oh, well, I like no. that actor in that other thing. I know. Terry Crews. Yes. 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 Okay, yes. Yeah. That is the only man who should be on the Oscars board. Just everything goes to Terry Crews and just gets a Terry rating. We should rename the Oscars the Terrys. Let's not let's not rename the Oscars. Let's ditch. Let's leave the Oscars to do their thing, and we're going to set up our te- the Terrys. Yeah, because what a statue that would look like as well. Oh my god! I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, everything would be minimum ten out of ten. It'd be like we rate dogs. Yeah, <laughs> it just some will be twelve. They're out all of 10. they're all good films, Brent. <laughs> it's going to cost us a fortune in Terry statues because everybody's going to get one. Everybody gets a prize. Yeah. That would solve the world problem. I, I shall tweet Mr. Cruz right now and ask him if he wants to set up his own awards. Oh, I'll, I'll, please, I hope he gets a response to you. I would love to see the terrors. But you said that statue would be magnificent. I think I'd never let go of that statue if I held Can you imagine him you know, hosting that? He would come on to A Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton, obviously. And then the show would get ripped off and then he'd jiggle and the pecs. And then he'd jiggle the pecs. And yeah. oh, I would watch that. Then Andy Sandberg would come out. Versus the book in nine 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 cast doing the hosting. I mean, but like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you want to see like the Rock doing awards and like he just shouts out, "Do you know what award the Rock is given?" Well, the Rock could be part of the terrorists. I'm, I'm sure they're quite good friends. But basically, just writing Hollywood fan fiction at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine all the old action stars going oh out? Sly, make... Arnie, all these great action stars. Let's make an independent film about the Rock and Terry Crews setting up their own awards oh. ceremony, and let's win an Oscar. For that film, Inception. <laughs> do you think how much do you think Terry Crews cost to hire? Not as much as The Rock. I mean, I don't think we could afford either of them. <laughs> we give The Rock just so many films. He won't just do it for free. You might be able to get Michael Chiklis at discount. Who's uh, that man again? He was the thing. Uh, oh, the man from the Shield. Yes, right. He's still tweeting away. Here. So basically, we're just looking to do a hard man version of the Oscars, right? Yeah. Let's just check Steve McFadden in for fun, then you know. Ross Kemp. 
Last count on film. Terry's not just a, a hard man. He's a sensitive man as well. He's a, he's the, he's a role model. He's, yeah. he's amazing. I love as him. As we know, he loves his yogurt. He, Terry loves yogurt. Okay, so let's let's wrap this up before it turns into a Terry love right, my, my, All right. My well, favourite Terry Crews look fit the story, which I need to tell you first, was you know that you know remember everybody hates Chris, Uncle Manny, and Terry Crews played the dad, and he's a very frugal man in this series. Somebody in America wanted their credit card, but with a picture of Terry Crews doing the disapproving face on it, so they know if they're spending money, but spend it frugally. Uh, the credit card request got declined, and and they asked for a signed paper from Terry Crews saying you can use my image on this, and Terry Crews did it and sent it in. Amazing, nice. Because he's of course he of course he did because he's a good good man. He's a lovely man. So there we go. No popular Oscars. I feel like yeah, we got. We'll have the Terrys instead. I think this segment got away from us. <laughs> <laughs> Just became a Terry Crews loving. It's like geeky Ruby Top Gear, ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Geeky Brummy podcast this week. Mr. Ellis, where can we find you when you're not on the podcast? You can find me propping up a bar somewhere. Um, or alternatively, you can find me on Twitter at Philip underscore Ellis. That's Philip with one L, Ellis with two. Look for the man with the ginger beard and the blue tick. And where are your bylines at the minute? Uh, so bylines at the moment, I'm working with Man Repeller, with Style Birmingham and MTV. Some really cool stuff that you've got on there, isn't it? Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Keith, where can we find you when not on the Geek Room podcast? You can find me uh, wandering around Destiny and No Man's Sky, looking at all the things I should probably shouldn't be and not getting on with the missions. <laughs> not Nostalgia and Comics. I will be at Nostalgia and Comics, uh, but I, um, well, I can be there for your recommendations. But you can catch me on Wednesdays on the Geeky Brummy website where I pop up my uh, picks of the week. Um, you can agree, disagree, but usually there's something worth reading in there. Uh, and then, yeah, just on the internet as hardluck underscore hotel uh, or without the underscore. Yeah, try, try them out. See Depending which one you your get. social media of choice. Yeah, on your social media. Yeah, it's, it's just not the duck. 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 Captain Duck. 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 The Count Duckula episode, which you would also get if you look hardluck hotel. You can find Guy Halford unpacking his Tesco shopping currently. He'll be covered in wagon wheels and... Non-jabby ones. <laughs> own brand cola. <laughs> and ketchup and pita breads. <laughs> but you can it's also... like nine and a half weeks, but just Guy with his shopping bags on the floor. Yes. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. I get that reference and I wish I didn't. <laughs> but you can usually find him... Showing off his record collection online on Instagram at VinylGuyHQ on Twitter at Guy underscore Halford. You can also find Callum Danes currently staring at the sea longingly waiting to return to Birmingham at Danes Radio. I think everywhere now. I think he's probably finally unified his Instagram and Twitter. And you can find Nate Crowley when he's not here. A lovely friend of the show. Yes. Who we miss very much. At Frog Croakley. He's currently showing off his beautiful new daughter. Thalassa, or Tally, as him and his lovely wife, which is Glitter underscore Raw, I believe. Uh, yes. yes, yes. You can find them both on Twitter. They do some really good stuff. We're very happy for both of you. Yes, and you can also find for another show, Graham Woods at Jaws 19 show, when he's not faffing around, running everywhere. Chasing you upstairs for no apparent mm-hmm. reason. Still tired after that. Still tired. <laughs> but thank you for joining us. You can find me... 
Sorry. Sorry, that's peaceful. That's great. No, no pun. No, 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 no terrible joy. No gag this week. No gag no. this week. You can find me at Ryan Parish, which is my personal Twitter. <laughs> you can find you shoving crabs down your trousers. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on my personal Twitter at Ryan Parish, or you can find me at my foodie blog, which is Ruby Gormond. And you can find us all in the week on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Yowchub, all at GeekyBrummy, G-W-E-K-Y-B-R-U-M-M-I-E. You can find us on the GeekyBrummy website as well, geekybrummy.com. You can swear a few articles up there. But pretty much that's it for now, so bye, everybody. Bye. Cheerio, folks. <laughs>